Catholic Connection is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Welcome to Catholic Connection with Teresa Tamio, keeping you connected to your faith and your world. Teresa tackles the issues of faith and culture, the pro-life message, and media awareness. And now, here's Teresa Tamio. Happy Friday. It is Friday, February 9th. Great to be with you on a Friday morning and every day here at Catholic Connection, Monday through Friday, wrapping up a very, very busy week. Coming up after the news, looking forward to speaking with our very own Doug Keck, our President and Chief Operating Officer, about all the great programming we can experience. And, of course, being that we are in the uh, kind of in the middle of National Marriage Week, which began on Wednesday and ends on Valentine's Day with actually Ash Wednesday. It's kind of interesting that we'll have uh, Valentine's Day on Ash Wednesday. But I'm sure there's a lot of great programming coming up and related to uh, various uh, programs that are going on, including all about marriage. Doug will fill us in and also talk to us about the coverage of the National Prayer Breakfast, which took place yesterday. We were there. And if you did get a chance to see it, you can actually check it out. Catholic News Agency has a very, very nice summary, catholicnewsagency.com, and also tells you how to watch the coverage yesterday because we were there. We're everywhere, EWTN, and a beautiful event honoring the amazing Helen Alvary, a wonderful scholar and teacher. Uh, She's a lawyer. She's a pro-life witness. She's just amazing. She's one of my favorite people. I've had the opportunity to uh, spend some time with her at various conferences in Rome, and I have to have her back on the show. She's just so awesome. Anyhow, congratulations to Helen for being recognized, and all the folks. I guess over a thousand people showed up at the prayer breakfast yesterday, but Doug will fill us in, I'm sure. At Fact Check Friday, yesterday I was talking about sourcing and how important it is. So I want to dive into that a little bit in terms of helping you discern when you see particular stories, sensational stories that are scary, and then you see the media running wild with it. Now, we had the blessing of having Brad Mattis from Life Issues Institute on with us, and they did a good job of dissecting this ridiculous so-called study or report that came out, of course, the same week as the anniversary of Roe v. Wade, January 22nd, and the media ran with it without any questions and put it out there. And if you do a search on that particular so-called study that came out, you would think it was gospel. And yet the biggest thing, one of the biggest things you're supposed to do, and this is something you learn in J school, it's journalism 101, consider the source. And I went to a a, a journalistic ethics site and I was going to, talk to you about what they tell journalists to do. And this is what also you learn when you have ongoing education. Oftentimes when I was a news reporter, they'd bring in ethics experts or folks to talk about, to talk to us about making sure we're doing our jobs properly and accurately. And how are we considering the source? What, what kind of a, a dog does a particular person have in the fight? What do they have to gain by a particular story? Why are they coming to you in the first place? You have to consider that, otherwise you are being manipulated and the media are being used, which is happening over and over again, especially with the abortion industry. So I want to compare two stories, this so-called report that we discussed at length with Brad Mattis yesterday, the report from the abortion industry, which the lead author happened to be running an abortion mill in Montana. I'm not kidding. And also something else that the media dropped big time as Brad mentioned yesterday, if their report is actually true, if the statistics are true, then we have a huge problem on our hand 
even more than we thought with the horrible crime of sexual assault. And yet why aren't the media, if they're so concerned about balance and, and you know, getting the truth out there, why didn't they examine the numbers and the statistics in, turning, in terms of alleged rapes that are happening, according to this so-called study or report? And then we're going to look also at a story that was posted recently on Catholic News Agency from another organization when they did a review of some 60 studies regarding the impact of this whole transgender ideology on young people. And it's interesting if you dive into that report, which I did this morning in preparation for Fact Check Friday, and looked at all the different sources that they went to. And they didn't go to conservative outlets or or whatever. They went to, for example, the CDC, the Centers for Disease Control. They also went to some of the organizations in Europe, especially in England, where they no longer, they've stopped transgender, so-called transitioning surgeries because of the damage it's done. So they've got all kinds of, of different sources that they've done to compile the information regarding the impact of transgender surgeries on young people. And so right there is a good example of sourcing. But we have to do this. We can't just look at a tweet or a headline and then believe something and go around parroting it. And quite frankly, that happens far too often. So we'll look at that in Fact Check Friday. Then very excited to have Joe McGivney. Yes, he's related to the founder of the Knights of Columbus. And he's going to be joining us about his new book, You're a Miracle, recently published. It's an incredible story of healing. I don't want to give it away. You have to stay tuned. It's pretty exciting. So Joe joins us about his new book coming up at 39 minutes past the hour. All right, weather-wise, we're having some uh, pretty bizarre but nice weather in Michigan where we're hitting 65 degrees today in the middle or early February, which is crazy. That never happens. Rest of the country, though, uh, quite a few areas are still struggling. Hazardous weather, according to the National Weather Service, tracking across the south today, also into this weekend. National Weather Service reporting a deep upper-level Area associated surface low pressure system driving several areas of hazardous weather today through the weekend and into next week while crossing the southern U.S. Heavy snow is possible in parts of the Rockies and Plains into tomorrow while excessive rainfall and severe thunderstorms are outlooked across parts parts of the south into Saturday and all the way possibly into Monday. So let's look at your weather. Be careful out there. Be safe and stay tuned right here to our great coverage here on E. WTM. Lots of news to get through on a Friday morning. It's February 9th. Let's get started. Well, a Houston lawyer has now been sentenced to 180 days behind bars after admitting to spiking his wife's water with an abortion-inducing drug. Mason Herring also given 10 years probation. He was originally charged with felony assault to induce abortion back in 2022 But as part of the accepted plea deal, the charges were downgraded to injury to a child and assault of a pregnant person. His wife providing video evidence to police and a private lab confirming the presence of the abortion drug in her water. She says he tried to slip her the drugs at least seven times. The child is now a year and a half old after she was born 10 weeks prematurely. Again, we discussed this earlier. I'm sure Doug will have a lot of great things to say about the big event yesterday. Speakers at this year's National Catholic Prayer Breakfast in D.C., as Catholic News Agency explains, highlighting the joy and sacrifice of the Christian life with the keynote speaker, Bishop William Byrne, calling the faithful to deeper participation in the sacraments and imitation of the Blessed Mother in living a sacrifice of praise. 
The breakfast, which took place yesterday, has been held annually since 2004 and has been attended by such leaders as former President George Bush and the late Supreme Court Justice Antonin Scalia. This year, the breakfast was attended by over a thousand faithful. Among them were several bishops, priests, and Catholic leaders, such as Jeannie Mancini from March for Life. Also in attendance, several Catholic members of Congress, including Senators J.D. Vance of Ohio and Patrick McHenry of North Carolina, as well as Representative Chris Smith of New Jersey. And once again, the event was broadcast live by EWTN. The House Foreign Affairs Committee advancing a resolution to increase sanctions and pressure on the Nigerian government over the rampant persecution of Christians and other minorities in that country. Catholic News Agency reporting it's sponsored by Representative Chris Smith, and the resolution would call on the Biden administration to designate Nigeria a country of particular concern, a CPC. That's a designation that comes with additional sanctions. That resolution would also urge the administration to appoint a special U.S. envoy to Nigeria to monitor and report on incidents of persecution. While the special counsel report on Joe Biden's handling of classified documents is questioning the president's mental fitness, Texas Republican Congressman Pat Fallon says the report is very troubling. I'm really alarmed because the fate of humanity rests uh, upon the job that the person that holds this office does, and Joe Biden is clearly incapable of it. While the report concluded Biden will not face charges or having classified documents from his time as vice president, investigators describe him as, among other things, an elderly man with a poor memory. The special counsel says Biden's memory was significantly limited during interviews with investigators, adding that he did not remember exactly when he was vice president. He also is said to have had difficulty remembering even the timing of his son's death. Lawyers who were the president pushing back against how the report characterized the president. Meanwhile, the special counsel report following a week where Joe Biden continued to face many questions and concern about his age after confusing European leaders with their dead predecessors. White House Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre is dismissing the incidents, but Biden on Wednesday twice referred to the late German Chancellor Helmut Kohl instead of the current Chancellor Merkel while discussing a 2021 conversation at a campaign event. And earlier this week, he also confused Francois Mitterrand, the former French president who died in 1996, for the current fresh pre- French president Emmanuel Macron while retelling a meeting he had with him. And he was also unable to identify the terrorist group Hamas without the aid of a reporter when speaking about the continued war in Israel. The Supreme Court justices seem skeptical of Colorado's argument that Donald Trump should not be allowed to run in their state. Lawyers claim Trump engaged in an insurrection during the Capitol riots and violated the 14th Amendment. But Justice Elena Kagan questions the bigger problem. I think that the question that you have to confront is why a single state should decide who gets to be president of the United States. Mm. A ruling in favor of Trump would stop other states from attempting to do the same. Meanwhile, former President Trump has some reaction to yesterday's hearing before the U.S. Supreme Court. Well, I'm a believer in our country and I'm a believer in the Supreme Court. Uh, I listened today and I thought our arguments were very, very strong. Trump was speaking from his Palm Beach estate, Mar-a-Lago, after the hearing. New York City officials are announcing the indictment, as Kristen Mark tells us, of seven people in last month's attack on two New York Police Department officers in Times Square. 
Mayor Eric Adams condemning the attack on January 27th outside of a migrant shelter. Uh, this was a despicable act. Manhattan DA Alvin Bragg says the seven include the five arrested last week who all face felony charges. Among them, Yohenry Brito, who allegedly set off the assault. Photos of the two others who haven't been identified have been released in hopes of finding them. Meanwhile, Bragg admits there's been a lot of misinformation about the case, including reports that four of the suspects fled on a bus to California. Uh, we do not have any evidence uh... Uh, you know, sniffling of, of flight has, has been reported. The plan to impeach the head of Homeland Security failed this week, but Secretary Alejandra Mayorkas is not out of the woods yet. Congressman Mike McCall of Texas says another vote is apparently coming soon. We're going to wait for Steve Scalise to come back. You know, he's got blood cancer, but have him come back and cast the deciding vote. That could happen as early as next week. McCall blames the GOP leadership for this week's defeat, including the House whips, whose job it is to get members to vote on legislation. He called it embarrassing. The governor of Texas wants more boots on the ground to protect the border with Mexico against a surge of illegal immigration. Um, working with the National Guard on plans as we speak right now to expand the National Guard effort uh, along the border region. Governor Greg Abbott pointing to a riverbank park that was a former hotspot for illegal immigration. Once it was taken over by the state, crossings, he said, plummeted, and he added drownings are also on the decline. A $95 billion foreign aid package is now moving forward in the Senate. With a 67-32 vote, the Senate can begin consideration of the bill, which would provide aid to Israel, Ukraine, and Taiwan. It's unclear, though, if the aid package can ultimately make it through Congress. And we know that Valentine's Day is coming up, but as Liz Warner reports, in the state of New York and other areas, folks are warning us about romance scams. The agency says romance scams occur when a criminal lies about their identity and feigns romantic interest in order to steal from victims. If someone asks for money, assume it's a scam and never give out personal information to someone you've met online. It's also recommended that people only use trusted dating sites and also to do a reverse image search to see if someone's profile photo is linked to another name. The medals for the Paris 2024 Olympics will include a small piece of iron from the Eiffel Tower. The country is including the piece to mark 100 years since Paris last hosted the Olympic Games. The iron chunks come from pieces removed from the iconic tower over various renovations in the last century. The organization that oversees the Eiffel Tower donating them to the Paris Olympic Committee. And Bree Tennis tells us last year, 115 million of us across the country watched the Super Bowl. And this year, 200 million are expected to tune in. Even if you don't like football, there's the halftime show and the commercials, which can sometimes be better than the game. It's also the second largest food consumption day in the U.S. behind Thanksgiving. But why on a Sunday? The NFL says it all comes down to ratings. There have been failed petitions to change the day, but the NFL won't budge. And calling in sick the Monday after? Not unique. More than 18 million will do that. And finally, in our new segment, 14 minutes past the hour on a Friday morning edition of Catholic Connection on EWTN. If you like pizza, today's your day. One of America's favorite foods is being highlighted with its very own holiday today. Shops and restaurants across the country offering deals in celebration of, yay, National Pizza Day. The big delivery chains, such as Pizza Hut, Domino's, and Papa John's, featuring various specials through this weekend. Fazoli's locations also offering a whole pizza for nine ninety nine with a coupon code pizza 24 so there you go 
It is 15 minutes past the hour. Thanks for tuning in to Catholic Connection, a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN. We get a look, the inside word on all the great programming coming up on EWTN with our very own Doug Keck. Stay tuned. Do you own popular index mutual funds or ETFs? If so, you're automatically owned shares of companies that conflict with your moral beliefs. Ave Maria Mutual Funds are managed to conform to pro-life and pro-family values. Long-term investors can invest in the no-load Ave Maria Mutual Funds. The experienced professional portfolio managers make decisions based on investment fundamentals and pro-life values. You can learn more about Ave Maria Mutual Funds today at 866-AVE-MARIA or visit AveMariaFunds.com. When the need for senior care arises, home is where the heart is. Visiting Angels provides home care for mom or dad up to 24 hours per day, including personal care, meals, and light housework. You may select your professional caregiver with Visiting Angels. More information at visitingangels.com or at 877-374-LIVE. That's 877-374-LIVE. Visiting Angels, America's choice in senior home care. The following program is brought to you in part by MyCatholicWill.com. Surveys show that more than half of Americans do not have a will. At MyCatholicWill.com, it takes as little as 15 minutes to write your will and secure a legacy of faith. MyCatholicWill.com is the exclusive online destination for creating a Catholic will. The process of writing a will is simple and now more accessible than ever. MyCatholicWill.com, a legacy of faith for those you love. My wife Janet's ancestors arrived in America on the Mayflower, but we never knew that the Catholic missionaries arrived in Florida 50 years earlier. Visit the site where the cross was first planted, where Mass was celebrated, and the first Marian shrine in the New World. Renew baptismal vows in the cathedral in its first baptismal font. Hope you can join us in La Florida, the land of flowers. To learn more about your Ave Maria Radio trip, find the Ave Maria Radio travel tab at AveMariaRadio.net. minutes past the hour on a Friday morning, February 9th. Doug Keck joins us every week for the Inside Word, taking a look at the great programming coming up. He is our President and Chief Operating Officer. Hey, Doug, how are you? Always great to have you on. Great. As always, Teresa, always fun to talk with you. All right, so the prayer breakfast sounds like it was a huge success yesterday. Yes, yes. Uh, I know a lot of people were uh, had some great comments about Helen Alvarez's uh, talk, and uh, she's her. fantastic. She's amazing. She, yeah, she's amazing, and she's been through some tough times, you yes. know, losing her husband recently mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And she's always been a fabulous pro life warrior, and so um, utmost respect uh, for that woman. Really, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And so we cover it live, and it was recorded, and the Catholic News Agency article has a link to it, so you can still watch it on YouTube, right? Absolutely, and I'm sure it'll be on our on-demand page if it's not already. Uh, you know, in fact, something one of our programs that's showing up uh, that you might have an interest in uh, that's happening this weekend as well on a Sunday at 9 p.m. We're going to be airing the our EWTN location. It's our uh, EWTN radio conference, ah. and we're going to have uh, you know uh, some talks from there, including the. The, the bishop uh, from San Angelo's talk, so his keynote will be featured in that. So for any of us uh, who missed that event, obviously in person, or certainly for our audience, something to look forward to. That's awesome. And so what do we have coming up uh, the rest of the week? We have Marriage Week right now that wraps up on Wednesday, which is Ash Wednesday, which is, which is interesting. I was talking to uh, Alyssa 
from the register via email. You're doing some uh, great reports on the register mm-hmm. about Valentine's Day and Ash Wednesday, which is <laughs> kind of interesting. But it's a huge day right. in the church on the calendar. Right, absolutely. That we're rolling into that. But before we get to that, we have Lords, uh, of oh, course. Right. You know, uh, so this we, weekend, we really. So we've got uh, uh, basically tomorrow. Uh, we've got a program on Lords that's airing at twelve thirty p.m. And then, uh, of course, uh, in as we get into the afternoon, we've got the World Day of the Sick Healing Mass in honor of Our Lady of Lords. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a special one that comes out of Scottsdale, Arizona. We've been—I think it's the second year we've done that. Uh, we've also got uh, the program Lords Part 2 airing uh, 8 p.m. that night. And then as we roll into Sunday, uh, not only do we have uh, Lords events that are starting uh, on Saturday night, which is the candlelight vigil and that, pers- that beautiful procession. procession? Yeah. There's also a canonization uh, that the Pope will be doing on Sunday as well. But most of our programming on Sunday are basically going to pick up on after the candlelight procession at 10 p.m. Eastern on Saturday. Sunday morning we start or noontime Eastern at the International Mass and then a whole series of events include the rosaries at 3.30 p.m. Eastern Time. There's the coming procession at 10 p.m. that night. And then the Mass of the Americas from the Grotto of Lords in France will also be on at 10.30 p.m. Eastern Time. And that's all on Saturday night rolling into Sunday, complete coverage of Lords. So uh, obviously in a, a very powerful, powerful uh, time for the church, a great time for healing, as we know. And then, of course, uh, as you were alluding to, not only, uh, you know, St. Valentine's Day, but we've got uh, Mother Angelica Live Classic on Tuesday with Mother talking about Ash Wednesday and Lent. Ooh. And then um, and we also have the Holy Mass of the Blessing and Imposition of the Ashes on Wednesday uh, with our Holy Father airing at 10.30 a.m. Eastern Time. So you've got Lords. You've got, you know, St. Valentine's Day. You've got Ash Wednesday. So it, it, we're stacked, as they yeah, would say. <laughs> yeah, it's a busy week. I, I think it's really important that we show these different events at these various holy sites, especially, for example, with the apparition of Lourdes. I've, been, I've had the opportunity to, to go to Lourdes several mm-hmm. times, and I was there. My husband is a knight in the Order of Malta, and I've had a chance to go with Malta and to mm-hmm. see how what, what happens with the Malads and the amazing experiences that they have. But it's one thing to read about it and understand what she said to St. Bernadette, but when you go to the grotto, and this is why it's so important that you cover this, because people get the sense mm-hmm. of this. When you go to the grotto, then you realize the miracle that happened in terms of her digging in the ground, right? And there's right. no water, there's no water. And then you go there and you see this. It's pretty crazy. Absolutely. Absolutely, and you know, and, the, and many people have found you know, the original uh, song of Bernadette to oh, be quite inspirational. I love that film. Uh, Jennifer Jones movie, yep. really a fabulous uh, film, and then some subsequently uh, other ones have been done. We we did a program uh, within the last couple of years on Lords as well, uh, you know, with with some reenactments and things like that to kind of bring it to you in, in even more so specific to exactly what happened and and what got said. But uh, yeah, I think Bernadette. I know it was Bernadette was always uh, Father uh, uh, Benedict's favorite, Father mm-hmm. Benedict Groeschel's favorite, and he always liked her because she was kind of sassy. Uh, you know, she was. <laughs> And like him, was, he was kind of sassy. <laughs> right, he liked thing going. He, he yeah. liked that. He liked that. So he liked that she uh, bucked the system a little bit and wasn't uh, a milk toast, and that just reinforced the fact of uh, of the great conversion she had and the fact that uh, 
you know, she's portrayed the way she was. Right. And uh, really, Lords is 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 you know a fabulous thing related to healing. And as you you know better than anybody, from being there, you know the the vast majority of healings are spiritual. You know, right. some amazing physical ones that are done here and there. I think to kind of remind us that you know this is really happening here. Um, something is happening. I think that's why our Lord did the physical healings too. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. it wasn't because the spiritual wasn't more important. It's just you couldn't see that. So you needed to see uh, that that physical change here and there to reinforce the fact that there's something else greater going on on a regular basis. Yeah, and the procession. The processions are so powerful, so beautiful. Right. You know, it's there's there's an old Loretta Young show, which she did actually there years ago, which we haven't aired in a while, but I know we had it a few years back because uh, Loretta was friends with uh, Mother Angelica in the mm-hmm. old days. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, they let us uh, run a couple of her programs. She had actually done a program on her old show in the 50s on abortion as well, uh, mm-hmm. which was a powerful program. But I always remember her, and they actually shot it. She was at the procession. So, But, yeah, we've carried that, like you said, carrying Fatima, events from Knock, uh, mm-hmm. events from with regarding Padre Pio, and the March for Life, as you were right. uh, central to. Uh, you know, having that uh, there has inspired so many people around the globe and certainly in cities uh, to say to get out there and say, we, you know, if they, they can do that, we can do this. Uh, there's tons of people there. Uh, there, you know. Let's get going on our own locally, and certainly, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in, in uh, Birmingham, there has been thanks to Jim and Joy Pinto who have been yep. involved with it for years. What I think is is super important is we keep doing this. We just keep going out there and doing what we need to do. Whether it's praying in Lords, whether it's you know going to on a pilgrimage, whether it's going to the March for Life, the consistency of no matter what is happening in the world is we understand that we have to show up and and that i think that is really an important thing why do you go to washington it's so cold it's this and that you don't get anything from it but that's just the point and showing that doug on the international airwaves is so important but you know the people who go and and have the tough times and the weather they will be talking about those experiences and what it meant to them way into the future much more than if it was a beautiful sunny day absolutely Doug, thanks. Have a great weekend. Always Thank wonderful you. to catch up with you and wishing you a, a beautiful Lent starting Ash Wednesday and God willing talk again next Friday. EWTN.com for all the great information. We'll be right back. Right now, as you know, America, Catholic Church, really the Western world is being shaken. But let me read this passage. Hebrews chapter 12, beginning at verse 25. We'll go to 29. The writer to the Hebrews says... His voice shook the earth at that time, but now he has promised, I will once more shake not only the earth, but heaven. That phrase, once more, points to the removal of shaken created things so that what is unshaken may remain. We realize that nothing is fixed. Everything seems to be in flux. And that's why God's people need to be immersed in Scripture because there we come across the unchangeable and the unshakable God. Cresta in the Afternoon with Al Cresta for Eastern on EWTN Radio. Whom does Jesus invite to enter the kingdom of heaven? The Catholic Catechism tells us he invites all to enter. Originally announced to the Israelites, the kingdom is now open to people of every nation. But to enter that kingdom, one must accept Jesus' word. 
The kingdom belongs to the poor and lowly with whom Jesus identifies. The poor and lowly means those who have accepted the kingdom with humble hearts. To the little ones, the Father is pleased to reveal what is hidden from the wise and the learned. Jesus makes active love toward the poor of every kind a condition for entering the kingdom. Jesus invites sinners into the kingdom and speaks of the joy in heaven over the repentance of just one sinner. Jesus' invitation to the kingdom comes in the form of parables. To enter the kingdom, mere words are not enough, however. Deeds are also demanded. One must give everything. This is Peggy Stanton, and this has been the Order of Malta's Minute with the Catechism. 28 minutes past the hour. Welcome back. Great to have you with us here on EWTN Radio. Just a reminder, tomorrow afternoon, 4 p.m. Eastern Time and Sunday morning at 11 a.m. Eastern on EWTN Radio, Register Radio with Jeanette DeMello and Matthew Bunsen. Shining the truth of the gospel on the events of every day. More great radio programming on the weekend. It doesn't end on Friday, so check it out. Register Radio with Jeanette and Matthew. Okay, so this is our segment where we do Fact Check Friday, which if you're a new listener, this is something that I started during the 2020 election because of the mass misinformation and the attacks on anything or anyone even remotely right of center. So much information, misinformation, especially on key issues such as abortion. And what we need to do, it's not just something that those in the industry of journalism should do, and they are failing miserably at this. and to check things out. Yesterday, if you were tuning in, you remember we had the amazing Brad Mattis from Life Issues Institute, which is a great pro-life source. And we run a lot of their segments, of course, on EW10 and Ave Maria Radio. And he dissected this so-called study that was put out the same week of the anniversary of Roe v. Wade. And it was all about allegedly claiming that rapes in the states that have banned abortion since the overturning of Roe v. Wade in 2022, that pregnancy through rapes have skyrocketed. I mean skyrocketed to the point of where they claim nearly 65,000 women conceived through sexual assault. And so what they did is they broke it down for us. And we discussed this in detail. I'm not going to go through all of that again today, but the point being that Brad Mattis and the Life Issues Institute looked at the numbers. But first and foremost, they looked at the source. What's the source? Who did this so-called study and report? The lead author was a quote-unquote doctor at a big abortion facility in Montana. Okay? That alone should cause a great deal of doubt. Not to mention... If you do the math, and I'm not a mathematician, but my husband is very good at math. He's a retired engineer. He sat down and did some numbers. I also heard from some of our listeners who are math experts, and they said, statistically, that would mean if, and Brad mentioned this yesterday, if this report were correct, that we, in addition, obviously, to to having a problem with with abortion, which we know is, is awful and evil and always intrinsically evil, but that sexual assaults have skyrocketed and are more than 10 times higher than FBI numbers. But again, considering the source, who's benefiting from this? The abortion industry. 
the pro-abortion politicians. We are in an election year. This report came out at the same time Kamala Harris and Joe Biden were starting their abortion tour. All abortion, all the time, everywhere tour. Reproductive rights tour, whatever you want to call it. Coincidence? I think not. But where were the reporters in the sourcing? I mentioned also at the top of the hour, if you take a look at the very good report that Catholic News Agency did on a study that was done by the Conservative American College of Pediatricians, looking at issues with so-called transitioning surgeries and the impact they have on young people. They looked at different reports, some 60 reports from all kinds of sources, the CDC here in the U.S., sources in Europe where they actually have suspended these surgeries because they're realizing that it's causing a lot of damage. They're causing a lot of damage. And they concluded that based on all these different reviews and studies and whatnot, that there's no long-term evidence to show that these mutilating surgeries are helpful and that the young people, whomever is going through them, ends up happier at the, at the, end, of the, uh, the end of the procedures. But if you look at their studies and the sources, there are a variety of sources, government sources, various universities. So it wasn't agenda-driven in terms of the people who were putting out the studies, they were people who were just looking at these cases because they were in the medical profession. And you compare that to the lead author of this alleged study, pro-abortion study, is the head of an abortion facility. Now, come on. Not to mention the ridiculous numbers. And this is what I I don't understand, because if you want to sell something and try to make it stick, A lot of people, even those who may consider themselves pro-choice, were looking at this and saying, oh, come on. But how many stories actually looked at the source? How many actually broke it down? So just for the heck of it, I went to uh, an ethics, a journalistic ethics organization online, just did a Google search, and there's a number we could use. I mean, there's Society of Professional Journalists, there's the American Society of Radio and TV, I mean, there's all kinds of sources out there so-called journalism organizations. This is ethics.journalist.org. Sources, reliability, and attribution. This section addresses these ethical issues. How should we handle the biases of sources and avoid skewing the range of viewpoints? How do we weigh the reliability of what sources claim to know? What does it mean to attribute information in an ethical manner? What should be the role of links and attribution? How much attribution is in us? Using reliable sources and properly attributing information to them are essential to the practice of journalism in all media. Ensure that sources are reliable. To the maximum extent possible, make clear to your audience who and what your sources are, what motivations your sources may have. Did we see that in any of the stories that came out? Maybe there were some. I don't know. I could be wrong. But in the stories that I saw and read from the secular press on this abortion report, it was all about alarming headlines and tweets and get people all scared because women are going to die because they can't have abortion. They go through these horrible experiences. And actually what this does is it hurts women who are victims of sexual assault. First of all, you're saying that it's a bigger problem than it is, but you're not looking at the actual problem. 
And we all know it's a problem, right? Not saying that, that we shouldn't address it, but they're not addressing the problem of sexual assault. If those numbers are that high, why aren't they looking at the rapists? Why aren't they looking at law enforcement? Because obviously there's a lack of things that are being done to bring down the number of sexual assaults if those numbers in that pro-abortion report are true. To the maximum extent possible, make clear to your audience who and what your sources are, what motivations your sources may have, and any conditions people have set for giving you information. Doing so is part of telling the truth, which is a key way that journalists serve their audiences. While I would venture to say, based on more than 40 years in media, 20 years in the secular media, that we are not doing, in terms of journalists, we are not doing a good job of telling the truth or serving our audiences when we play to people with whom we agree because it fits into our agenda. And in my book, Noise, I go way back, all the way to the 80s, not too long after Roe v. Wade and the Supreme Court and the legalization of abortion and looking at where the media stand. They are overwhelmingly in support of legalized abortion. And so they don't like putting out the sources, especially something like this that plays right into their hands. That's not journalism, brothers and sisters. That's not serving your audience. That's promoting propaganda. And we need to do the job that the journalists won't. Consider the source. We'll be right back. Father Benedict Rochelle. They're all legitimate differences of opinion in any religion. There are differences of opinion in Catholicism. But in Catholicism, you expect that people will take the teaching of its supreme authority seriously. To go diametrically opposed to those teachings is to not be a Catholic. Someone in the name of Catholicism is sponsoring the destruction of human life lives of unborn children. And he got the name Catholic on the door. The highest authority in Catholicism and the encyclical Humanae Vitae, Evangelium Vitae, is absolutely clear that no Catholic can support abortion and that Catholics are responsible to take serious action against legalized abortion. The people you know and trust are on EWTN. Dr. Ray Garendi. There's a simple step to raising a more grateful child. I used to say, easy, eliminate half of their material possessions. I don't say that anymore. That's ridiculous. I say 75%. They don't even miss 50. 22 stuffed animals, you go down to 11. Not exactly a hardship. Simple step to raising a more grateful child. Don't be so free with the material stuff. Research has shown more generous people, by and large, have less. You give a child less, he's more willing to share it. He also is more able to occupy himself with things like boxes and dirt balls and rocks, worms, stuff that doesn't cost a whole lot of anything. big anniversary was held earlier this week, if you're not aware. The anniversary of the founding of the amazing Knights of Columbus was actually Tuesday, February 6th. So on the phone 
With us is someone who's actually related to the founder. His name is Joe McGivney, and he has a new book out, You're a Miracle. So, Joe, really, uh, the book, your story is absolutely amazing. First of all, thanks for joining us. God bless you, and congratulations on the new book. Oh, Teresa, thank you so much, and it's, it's truly a blessing to be with you today. So thank you. You're welcome. So tell us, first of all, I mean, inquiring minds want to know your relationship to the founder of the Knights. Yes. Yes, um, I believe I'm a, some have said a great-grand-nephew. Uh, my great-grandfather and Father McGivney are second cousins. Wow. So I'll leave it up to the genealogist and tell me my exact <laughs> relation. That's pretty amazing, though. It must make you very proud to have that in your family, uh, your family genes, right? Yeah, that, absolutely. And, you know, as I relay in the book, um it's very much believed that the reason you and I are even having a conversation today is the result of Blessed Michael's interceding on, on uh, my behalf. So, All right, so walk us down uh, memory lane, because this is a pretty powerful story. I don't want to give everything away, because we definitely want people to get the book, and we'll make sure they have the link. But you really did have a miracle in your life, because you were, uh, a, a could have, and, and by all, I mean, seriousness in terms of what the medical professionals are saying, you should have uh, died or been lost in misery because of your addiction, right? Yeah, that is correct. Um, I had, um, just to give a little background, I, sure. you know, throughout my entire adult life, actually beginning when I was still a child, really, I was 12 years old when my love affair with drinking began. And, you know, it followed me throughout my life. Um, I clearly was an alcoholic. And like most alcoholics, over time, it continued to progress and progress and get worse and get worse. And um, everything changed, though, when COVID began. Um, Like most people, I was just overwhelmed with anxiety and fear. And how was I going to pay the bills? How am I going to get my kids to college? How, you know, and on and on and on. Um, but unfortunately, rather than turn to my friends or my faith or my church for, for comfort, I, I just turned to the bottle and I mm. was drinking beginning in early March of 2020 when, you know, the world went into complete lockdown, right, right. um, up until December 30th of 2020, I had, I, I was drinking from the moment I woke up in the morning until I went to bed at night. And there was alcohol coursing through my veins, you know, in my brain 24-7. Wow. So come the December 30th, um, my wife and I had gone out to dinner, I'm told, by the way, because what I'll share with you this next part of my story, I have no memory of at all. Um, the memories of this uh, part of my life that I'll share with you don't exist for me. So when I, what I'm sharing, I learned both from medical records and from conversations with, from my wife and my family. So December 30th, Nicole, my wife and I went out to dinner we came back. Um, we watched some TV. She went up to bed. Uh, I stayed downstairs drinking and at about 11 o'clock that night, my body just completely collapsed. Mm. Um, and I was, by the grace of God, Nicole had her phone on, and I called her and said, you know, something's wrong. Please come help me. And literally my brain had started rewiring, and 
uh, as a result of, you know, the chronic alcohol abuse that I was engaging in during COVID. So Nicole, somehow, I, I was now speaking gibberish. I could not even lift myself up on my own off the floor. Mm-hmm. And somehow Nicole got me in the car, rushed me to a hospital, and her fear was that I was having a stroke. Right. But soon after they admitted me there, and it was it was COVID. Nicole couldn't even come in and see me. Um, they figured out that I had now developed something called Wernicke-Korsakoff syndrome, um, which is a neurological disorder brought on by alcohol abuse. So over the next nine weeks, I was transferred from institution to institution ultimately ended up ending up in the locked psych ward of a local hospital here. Um, and at that, by that time, they had figured out my condition was something called Korsakoff psychosis. And of 100 people that received that diagnosis, um, 20 of them die. And I came really close that wow. night. I collapsed at my home. Um, that leaves 80 people. And of those remaining 80, um, there is a small percentage, some would argue maybe 5%, that come back a little bit, but there, there is no such thing as a full recovery. So I was in that remaining group, you know, call it 75 to 80%, that will spend the rest of their lives in a state of psychosis, and that's wow. where I was. So, Nicole, you know, I was hallucinating. Um, my hallucinations were sometimes very violent. Um, I was often restrained because I had become very violent. I didn't recognize Nicole, my family. I didn't know who anybody was. I was just living in my own little world that I mm-hmm. created day to day in my own mind. And Nicole was told I'd be that way for the rest of my life. Wow. So, um, she was, again, a grace of God moment. Nicole was able to find a treatment facility that agreed to hold me for 30 days while she figured out my permanent home. So on March the 5th, I was transferred from that psych ward to this treatment facility. Um, best we can tell is they put me to bed that night, and I woke up the following morning completely healed. I remember it like it was yesterday. Now my memories are back. Um, I woke up in this room. There was a bed. There was a window. There was a dresser and a nightstand. And I was like thinking, where am I? And why am I here? So I wandered into the hallway. You know, one of the staff members was there, and I asked him those questions. And he said, well, Joe, you're here at the retreat. It's a treatment center, and you're here because of your alcohol drink, your alcoholism. And it came, you know, over the coming days and weeks, came to learn that what had happened to me was indeed miraculous. There's no medical explanation for, wow. what, for what occurred. So do you know, and because you were in such a state, a physical state and also an emotional state, there must have been, I'm sure your wife had people praying, and did they call on the intercession of Father McGivney, do you know? Yeah, we came to learn. So um, so I'm in that treatment facility for a total of about 30 days, exactly 30 days, actually. And as part of my recovery, I started attending AA meetings. And very quickly and soon learned that AA is all about God. Mm -hmm. Um, And also a big part of 
program of AA and of recovery in general is serving others. So about four months into my sobriety, I decided, you know what? What a great way to serve others. I'm going to finally join the Knights of Columbus. Why not? <laughs> I'm related to the founder. And if I'm going to serve others, what a great place to start. So the, 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 the Saturday after I joined the Knights, I, was, I became a Knight on a Thursday. Um, I had a conversation with my Aunt Jerry. And Aunt Jerry is a nurse, devout Catholic woman, and she was quarterbacking my care through the nine weeks when I was completely crazy. So I had this conversation with Aunt Jerry, and I said, Jerry, you're not going to believe what I did this week. I joined the Knights of Columbus. And she started sobbing. I was like, what's going on? And she uh-huh. she shared. She said, Joey, when you, when you were sick, I prayed to Jesus. I prayed to Mary. I prayed to God. I prayed to anyone who would listen. But I was fervently praying to Father Michael, our relative. And she said, in fact, I'm looking at his picture right now. Wow. That gives me the chills. We're talking with Joe McGivney. His new book is You're a Miracle, just recently published. First, before we go on, because I have so many questions, how do we get the book, You're a Miracle? Uh, the book is available on Amazon.com. It was published, by, actually self-published by me and my wife, Nicole. So you can find it two ways. One, you can just search Joe McGivney book or search You're a Miracle on Amazon. Or if you go to JoeMcGivney.com, um, there's a link to the book there. And there's also a link to a number of different YouTube videos that Knights of Columbus has produced about my miracle. Um, so those are the best ways to find it. So, Joe, first of all, now that you have the book, and, and thanks be to God that you, you've been sober uh, for, for some time, I imagine you're, you're speaking and you're trying to share your story with other people, right? Absolutely. Um, you know, we Nicole and I, thought long and hard about whether we write the book. I had started sharing my speaking, you know, my story in AA meetings a few years ago. Um, but we, you know, we cont- continuously would hear people say, you should write a book about this. You should write a book. And we, we finally talked it over and said that it would be kind of selfish of us not to share this story to as many people as we can. So we we made the decision to write the book, and we did so in the hope, really, of a few things. Number one, that by sharing our story, it would raise awareness for Blessed Michael's cause for canonization. Mm -hmm. Father Michael is now one miracle away from being St. Michael. But he's also proven to be a really powerful intercessor. Um, Knights of Columbus and the, the, the cause have received a number of different cases that were submitted that they, you know, clearly seem to be miracles. Um, so if you need a miracle, pray to Father Michael to intercede. Mm. Then the, the other thing that we really wanted to do is help bring hope and strength and courage to not only the individuals that suffer from alcoholism or addiction, but their family members who suffer right alongside them. That was my question, because this issue came up. My husband and I were, were part of the, the team of speakers for the Good News Marriage Cruise, which just wrapped up last week. We had over 800 people, and we always do a panel with all the speakers. And the question mm-hmm. came up. There was obviously someone struggling in their family with a spouse with an addiction. And the question was, how do you get the spouse to address the addiction? And, of course, we had uh, the amazing psychologist, Dr. Ray, with us, Dr. Ray Grendy. He was saying you cannot force a person 
to get help. You can offer it, you can recommend it, you can, I guess, even do an intervention, but it has to be up to that person. And in your case, for example, you literally physically broke down and emotionally broke down. Uh, so the question I have for you is what, what advice do you have for people who do have someone in their family with an addiction? Um, Dr. Ray, you know, really answered it correctly. Um, what the advice I can give really boils down to a couple things. Number one is realize that they, they are sick. Mm-hmm. And the, you know, the, the relative, whether it's a child, a niece, a nephew, husband, wife, uh, the person you fell in love with is still inside there. But the best you can do for them is try to lead them to AA or NA uh, in one of those fellowship programs. Mm-hmm. But Dr. Ray is right. If they, they aren't ready to raise their red, white flag, all you can do is, you know, love them, but, you know, set up boundaries as necessary. And, and I encourage a family member whose spouse or loved one won't go participate in that, go to Alan. Alan on. I mentioned that because when I was in the secular media, I did several investigative reports on addictions and families, and they talked about Al-Anon, and so I recommended that night. A couple people come up to me afterward and say, yeah, that's really important. Joe, my goodness, thank you so much for being so vulnerable and putting yourself out there, and what a gift to have this book available. There's so much good coming out of this. You know, Romans 8.28, all things work together uh, for good for those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. And I think uh, your relative is, is working hard for so many things, including your own story. And who knows, maybe you could be that miracle. You never know. Right? One never knows. You never know. <laughs> it's above my pay grade. <laughs> yep. Joe, thanks so much. And again, the book is You're a Miracle by Joe McGivney. And a very beautiful time to talk about this book because of the name, of course, for so many reasons. But his relative, Father Michael McGivney, uh, founded the Knights of Columbus. And the anniversary of that founding was earlier this week on February 6th. Again, the book is You're a Miracle. We'll put a link to it on the Catholic Connection archives. All things are possible with God. And the blesseds and the saints and those who have gone before us, their intercession is very powerful. The great cloud of witnesses, as it says in Hebrews, remember that. We'll be right back. CMF Curo is a Catholic health care ministry providing families nationwide with a better solution centered around whole health, spirit, mind, and body. Our members share their medical burdens within a faith-filled community. At CMF Curo, our members have access to a spiritual director, concierge services, and other health and spiritual resources. Find out if CMF Curo is a better solution for your family. Visit MyCatholicHealthCare.com. That's MyCatholicHealthCare.com. This program is brought to you in part by Charity Mobile, a proud partner of Ave Maria Radio for over 15 years. Charity Mobile is the pro-life cell phone company and has sent nearly $2 million to thousands of pro-life charities. 4G LTE coverage is available nationwide, and 5% of your monthly plan price goes to your favorite pro-life charity. A video introduction is available at CharityMobile.com. Charity Mobile, everyday living, effortless giving. CharityMobile.com. Hello, Steve Ray here. Everything in the Bible and in the Catholic Church starts with the book of Genesis. It reveals to us God's plan for mankind. Yet Genesis can be daunting, especially given the scientific discoveries of the last few centuries. Well, that's where I come in with my new book, Genesis, a Bible study guide and commentary. 
discover a thoroughly Catholic approach to this exciting and dramatic ancient narrative that is so often misunderstood. You can get the book now on the store page at AveMariaRadio.net. Check it out. When the need for senior care arises, home is where the heart is. Visiting Angels provides home care for mom or dad up to 24 hours per day, including personal care, meals, and light housework. You may select your professional caregiver with Visiting Angels. More information at visitingangels.com or at 877-374-LIVE. That's 877-374-LIVE. Visiting Angels, America's choice in senior home care. Thanks so much for tuning in to Catholic Connection on a Friday. Coming up on Monday, Dr. Ray Grundy is going to be with us to talk about the fallout of a very historic decision that actually came out of Michigan regarding the parents of a uh, shooting uh, suspect, the suspect who was um, put in jail for life, uh, Crumbly. His parents are now being held responsible. More on that coming up Monday, plus a beautiful Bible study and our scripture verse of the week. We'll talk to you then. Ciao, ciao. You've been listening to Catholic Connection with Teresa Tamio. Catholic Connection is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Our producer is Andrew Kruchek. For copies of this program or for more information, visit AveMariaRadio.net. That's A-V-E Maria Radio.net. Thanks for listening and join us next time for another edition of Catholic Connection.